the Chief Zone Podcast. Let's do this. I'm Farzi Masugian here on the podcast. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode. Early preview edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. I have kind of a scheduling conflict this week, so this podcast is a little sooner than usual, but still going to go with it. And got a lot to talk about here. Of course, the Chiefs and the Chargers are going to have a showdown this Sunday at Los Angeles. In fact, it's the first divisional game for the Chiefs, the second for the Chargers. I know it's a 2-0 matchup for the Chiefs, and the Chargers are 0-2, and a lot of Chiefs fans are thinking that the Chiefs are going to be the heavy favorites in this one. Listen, that might be true, but don't be too confident in this one. I mean, there are always these trap games that come up in the NFL, and listen, whether they're in high school, college, or in the NFL, these players will never admit it, but there are players that do get overconfident. And that's, look, that's why you have coaches. But even then, coaches cannot contain the overconfidence. They just can't. It happens. That's why we see big leads get blown, such as the one in the Super Bowl. I mean, the Chiefs were a victim of this in the playoffs a few years ago. Heck, the, the game between the Chiefs and Chargers last year to open up the NFL uh, in Week 1, Kansas City's first game of the season. We've seen so many comebacks, and I think a lot of that has to do with overconfidence or getting too complacent. And listen... People, think, people say they're professionals. They get paid millions. Yes, it's true. But there are also times where peop, these guys, they're human. Uh, we may not know that. We may forget that. But they are, they get complacent too. And they tend to o- overthink things. Well, not overthink, but overlook things I, it should, is what I should have said. And next thing you know, uh, you see an upset. So we'll talk about what the Chiefs have got to do to prevent the upset in this one. And look, being an 0-2 team... These LA Chargers, man, uh, they are hungry for a win, and it would be pretty sweet if they got their first win against a divisional opponent. We'll talk about what the Chiefs have got to do to prevent that from happening. Facebook.com slash Farzimasugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like on there. Interact with me. Always love the interaction. Appreciate you guys, all the interaction. I know the 2-0 record helps, but man, just the amount of discussion that we've had generated... Uh, It's been awesome. It really has been. So, guys, please keep it up. Always appreciate your guys' comments on there. So, keep it up. And be sure to follow me on Twitter as well, at Farzine21. Guys, can talk to me on there as well. And you guys can email me, Farzine at FarzineVesuvian.com. Be sure you subscribe to the podcast. Share it on social media. Let a friend know about it. Share it and let a friend know about the Chiefs on Podcast. All right, first things first, uh, some bad news. Uh, well, a mix of good and bad, I guess, for the Kansas City Chiefs regarding their center, Mitch Morse, who suffered a foot injury in Sunday's win over the Eagles. It's been reported by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that it's a foot sprain. Does not need surgery. However, he is expected to miss a few weeks. No exact timetable has been provided on his return, but uh, it could be a while before he comes back. Now, Zach Fulton, who has a lot of experience starting for the Chiefs ever since he's been drafted, he, he went in there and did a, did a phenomenal job for the Chiefs filling in at center. Listen, it's different if a guard gets hurt, but man, uh, I mean, ha- losing that guy at center right in the middle of your offensive line, the anchor of your offensive line, that is very tough to replace. It's very tough to have a guy go in and fill in those shoes and do a good job, and Zach Fulton did exactly that. Uh, Mitch Morse, pass blocking hasn't necessarily been great for him this year, but man, he is one of the better run blocking centers in the NFL. In fact, he's a top five run blocking center according to Pro Football Focus. So you know Kansas City's going to miss him, and I think that this begs the question: What kind of an impact will this have on the running game? You see Kareem Hunt in 
just just what he's got going for him. And by the way, I've got some crazy Kareem Hunt numbers just to read to you in a moment. But man, I, I mean, you look at that injury right there, and even though the Chargers are not a good run-stopping defense, uh, I mean, something's got to give at some point. So we'll see which side wins on this one, but uh, hopefully for the Chiefs, they'll still be able to get that ball rolling on the ground because that is really what's been helping them win these two football games. These two, Against some great opponents, too, in the Patriots and the Eagles. I mean, these are not two easy teams to go up against. You know the Patriots, they're, of course, the most dominant team for nearly two decades. The Philadelphia Eagles, they're part of what might be one of the more competitive divisions in NFL history, I would say. So you know that, I mean, these are two teams that are very hard to defeat. And for the Chiefs to have this 2-0 start uh, really shows a lot of value in this team. And the Chiefs are ranked in the top five in a lot of power rankings. Some power rankings, they're listed number one. And a couple others, they're number two, number three. And I'm just seeing so many complaints about people that are whining that the Chiefs are not ranked number one in every power ranking. Listen, guys. First, I saw one power ranking where the Falcons and the Raiders were ranked ahead of the Chiefs. Listen, first of all, with power rankings, these are also rankings that were started before the season. So the Chiefs were, I think, in the top 10 or just outside of the top 10 in a lot of these rankings. So it's also based on preseason thoughts, preconceived notions before the regular season got underway. So this is, this to me, I, I just think it's, I guess I'm flabbergasted because fans get so upset when a team gets a lot of praise and they don't get the number one list, the number one ranking. And again, I mean, these are just, I know I got fed up with one list that I shared on the Facebook page where Alex Smith was omitted from the top 10 QBs going into week two. Uh, and again, you know, what does that list even mean? Top 10 QBs going into week two. I, I mean, you might as well call it who you think will be the, the top 10 in week two. Uh, but, you, you know, the funny wording, and it, it, people just do it to generate discussion. Uh, I've never done this in all the times I've written for Bleacher Report, Fan Sided, uh, Rant Sports. But, man, I mean, when whenever I put these lists and rankings together, I, I've always had a valid reason behind them. You see these lists on ESPN or, or wherever, and it is done intentionally. They they intentionally misplace some teams to generate discussion, generate clicks. That's what they've got to fight for. I'm not saying I agree with it, uh, but look, that's the business where we're, we are in the clickbait business in, in media today. Not just in sports, but in all of media. But if you really want... To hear about praise. Because look, all the national guys are idiots, right? Well, until they say good stuff about your team. Well, speak for yourself on FS1. And listen, FS1, I know they came on the scene a few years ago competing against ESPN. And just the way that Fox Sports has really branched out. Fox Sports has some really great names with their on-air staff. I mean, they've got an incredible talented group. And a lot of Casey guys too, which I'll I'll touch on in a moment. But... uh, on FS1, the show Speak for Yourself, hosted by Colin Cowherd and Jason Whitlock. And uh, Eric Davis and Tony Gonzalez were the special guests. And I, I mentioned the KC guys. You got, you got Whitlock, who was with the Kansas City Star for a very long time. Tony Gonzalez played for the Chiefs for a long time. Nick Wright. I mean, that guy's sitting 
across Colin Cowherd and so many other guys. Uh, he was, of course, really big on 690. That guy tore it up at the ratings. Very unorthodox style of hosting when it comes to radio, but but the guy just won it with their ratings in Kansas City. He knew his audience, and that's the biggest thing you've got to know in media, and Nick Wright knew that with his audience here in Kansas City, and of course did big things in Houston now on the big scene at FS1. Uh, but, but listen... Uh, and you also, by the way, you have Mike Vick, who was a coaching intern for KC, and he has a very special connection to Andy Reid. So you know he's always going to be be saying more positive than negative things about the Chiefs and Andy Reid. But anyway, uh, Cowherd, Whitlock, Davis, and Gonzalez. They were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and how they might be the best team in the NFL at the moment. Colin Cowherd compared Andy Reid to Bill Belichick in terms of just the way they game plan, especially when they do it unexpectedly. I mean, just, just the things they do to catch opposing teams and opposing coaches by surprise. And you see the game plan is just so different. On Sunday, I think I mentioned this uh, on the podcast Monday morning, but Tony Gonzalez on Sunday during the NFL pregame show compared Alex Smith to Aaron Rodgers and... Coward strongly disagreed with that, and Whitlock, uh, in the same segment, justified Gonzalez's comments in that comparison to Aaron Rodgers. Now, look, I I don't think Whitlock's saying that Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith are the same, but I, I think in some way, maybe at least the intensity, the the effort that they put in might be similar. I'm not saying that the, that other NFL quarterbacks are putting less effort and others are putting more in. Uh, I, I'm just trying to get around his comments and what he might have been trying to say there. I, I, I disagree. Look, I disagree that Alex Smith is Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think so at all. But at the end of the day, uh, you look at Alex Smith and what he's doing, uh, he is, I mean, he he's on a 2-0 team. A, a massively dominating performance against the Patriots. And this is a Chiefs team that is, Right now on cruise control, and they want to keep the ball rolling. So listen, even though they may not be number one on all these power rankings, maybe on a couple of them, they're getting the national price. So please, I beg you guys, don't get so fed up if they're not ranked number one on every ranking. They're in the top five in just about all of them. Okay, look, uh, there is just a gigantic love stri- love train with Kareem Hunt right now. I mean, I can't remember the last time a player kind of came out of the blue and just completely took everyone by surprise. Pleasant surprise. I think the last time I maybe thought this way about a Chiefs player was Larry Johnson. Coincidentally, the same number, 27. Uh, You know, I remember when Priest Holmes went out, everyone was just heartbroken and people thought, what's going to happen to our running game? And Larry Johnson, I know it was very short-lived, but that guy had the two craziest Back-to-back 1,700-yard season. I I mean, it was just phenomenal what he did. Kind of disappointing he never led the league in rushing. Uh, If he did that today, man, I mean, he would easily be in the lead uh, for for rushing in the NFL. But, man, uh, just to see Kareem Hunt and what he has done. uh, And, look, I, I, (laughs) I said this early on. I said, I know people are high on him, and I wasn't. Man, I am. I was totally wrong about that. Here, ESPN has this funny segment they do every week. They call it a message from Kareem Hunt to fantasy owners. Last week, it was idiot because no one started him. This week, it was you're welcome from uh, Kareem. I guess they pre-recorded these a long time ago and ESPN's using them. It's comical. It's great. Uh, But here are some crazy facts with Kareem Hunt. The Bengals, 49ers, Bears, Seahawks, and Giants 
all have five touchdowns combined. Kareem Hunt alone has five touchdowns. And by the way, speaking of Hunt, uh, who of course had two receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in his NFL debut, had the NFL debut that no one's ever had in NFL history. The numbers that he has put up, the five touchdowns that he scored, only Dutch Sternman had more in his first two career games. He had six touchdowns. Now, who in the hell is Dutch Sternman? I'll give. I'll just say silent for a couple seconds. Think. Take a guess who Dutch Sternman is. You don't know, do you? Probably none of you guys were born when this guy was playing. He was part of the 1920 Decatur Staley's. Yes, the Decatur Staley's. Now, if you're wondering who in the hell are the Decatur Staley's, they were part of the American Professional Football League. Not the American Football League, not Lamar Hunt's AFL team. The American Professional Football League. Now, if you're wondering who the Decatur Staley's are, they are now the Chicago Bears. So, I mean, these are Dutch Sternman, six touchdowns in his first two career games. That has, Hunt has had five. So, to have this much and not been done since 1920. And man, I was looking at some of the photos. I would love to watch a couple of football games from from the early days. Uh, I don't know if I'd be able to finish these games, uh, but I'd love to at least check them out for a few minutes because, and I know there's footage of it online, definitely worth checking out. I took a college class on sports history and just the things that you learn about the history of some sports like football, just phenomenal stuff. Uh, but man, uh, really, I mean, really, just when you hear these things about Kareem Hunt, to do something that has not been done in NFL history in a, in a debut, uh, something in the first two games, five touchdowns in the first two games, hasn't been done since 1920 in the game of football. Uh, five touchdowns, which equates to five teams combined. This has been a phenomenal run. Now, of course, in the back of your mind, you, you wonder, I mean, can he stay healthy? Can he keep doing this? If he's been able to do this against two really good teams in the Patriots and Eagles, I'm sure he can keep the ball rolling. So, uh, got to keep it going for Kareem Hunt. And, and that's why I, I talked about the loss of Mitch Morris and just, just what could this do to Kansas City's rushing attack. Uh, I know Chark Hendrick West uh, didn't play much last week, but of course in the season opener, he had that touch and run to extend Kansas City's lead and essentially put the final pin on the coffin, the final nail, and shut things down on the New England Patriots. So hopefully the Chiefs can keep this rushing attack going because man, I can't remember a player since Larry Johnson who the Chiefs uh, have had that that brought so much ex- exuberance. Maybe Jamal Charles, but the thing about Jamal Charles when he filled in in two thousand nine for LJ, that was that was a four and twelve team. And with all due respect to that Chiefs team in 09, yeah, I mean there was not a lot to look forward to. It was just Jamal, and it was all during a losing season. Now, of course, obviously Jamal went on to do special things in KC. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Larry did his thing during back to back winning seasons. And I take that back. 04 was a 7 and 9 season, but you get the idea. I mean, those were still competitive seasons. The Chiefs were big on the last month of that 04 season. I think the Chiefs lost their four of their last five games. Uh, and this is off the top of my head. Uh, but that was a heartbreaking end of the season for the Chiefs. But they were competitive, is what I'm trying to say, during the season. And you had that spectacular breakout performance by LJ in those two years. And I think we, we just haven't seen, seen that, have that exuberance, that excitement since Larry Johnson, now Kareem Hunt. 
Okay, let's keep moving along here. The game between the Chiefs and the Chargers, the LA Chargers. I know I called them San Diego a couple times last podcast. They still get called the San Diego Chargers. It's I think people just forget that uh, that that they moved. But uh, coming into this game, Antonio Gates. Uh, this is worth mentioning. Uh, Antonio Gates caught his 112th career touchdown pa- uh, touchdown catch last week against the Dolphins, passing Tony Gonzalez, former Chief, of course for touchdown catches in league history by a tight end. So big ups to Antonio Gates. I mean, this is a guy who's battled through a lot of injuries. Uh, this is a guy, I think you could see it coming early in his career that he could eventually get Tony Gonzalez's touchdown uh, record as well as a couple other records uh, that he's gotten already. Uh, but man, I mean, he's up there with Shannon Sharp, Gonzalez uh, as one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. Uh, and he's going to be a guy that the Chiefs have got to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll get to him in a moment, but Alex Smith coming into this game, 619 passing yards with five touchdowns, no picks, a 134.1 rating. He is second in the league with that rating of 134.1. Smith, by the way, fifth in passing yards with the 619 that I mentioned. Tyreek Hill, the only player with 175 or more receiving yards and a touchdown to go with it. He's had five touchdowns of 50 plus or more. Uh, two of them being rushing touchdowns, one receiving, two punt returns, and one kick return since joining the NFL last year, and that is the most since the start of the 2016 season. And by the way, don't forget, Tyreek Hill also had long touchdown returns that were called back against the Texans and the Steelers in weeks two and four of last season. Chris Jones, of course, uh, he had a huge game against the Eagles. Three sacks, a pair of forced fumbles, and an interception. Uh, Last time that happened was in 2007. When James Harrison did it. Uh, so, of course, Chris Jones doing big things for the Chiefs. Easily him and Alan Bailey's best games since they have joined the Kansas City Chiefs. And now seeing them play on the same defensive line. Of course, Alan Bailey didn't play last year because of an injury. And now seeing those two together, really, I mean, it's really exciting to see just the damage that they were able to do. Benny Logan even had a hand in Kansas City's party with that front seven last week against the Eagles. And by the way, I do want to go back to Kareem Hunt one more time. He has 229 rushing yards, which of course is leading the league. He is actually the only player with more than 200 yards through two games. The second is Denver C.J. Anderson, who is one shy of 200 yards. Let's go to the other side and look at uh, Kansas City's opponents, the Chargers. Philip Rivers, 523 yards Excuse me, for four touchdowns, one pick, sacked just twice. This season, Keenan Allen had a monster game with nine catches for 100 yards. And don't forget the game he had last year against the Chiefs. He's tied fourth in the NFL with 14 catches and his 135 yards in the early season. Of course, very good start for him. A monster game last week, too. And again, like I said, remember, he torched the Chiefs last week. And then once he tore his ACL in that game, in that season opener for KC, the Chargers never converted on third down again, and that's that was a big factor in the Chiefs coming back to win that game in overtime. There's absolutely no rushing attack for the Chargers on the ground. 31st in rushing. Now, if you look at Kansas City, they haven't been very good in stopping the run the past couple of, couple of years. In the bottom 10 last year, right now they're 20th, tied with Green Bay in stopping the run. Have struggled with that against the Patriots and the Eagles. So, even though Melvin Gordon hasn't had a great season on the ground, and, and look, the Chargers are a pass-heavy team, makes you wonder if L.A. is going to consider pounding the rock. 
and attacking this weak rush defense of Kansas City's. That's one thing to definitely look out for. Yes, they're ranked 31st. Kansas City is ranked 20th. Uh, maybe we don't even, even end up seeing uh, much of a rushing attack. Uh, maybe we do. I, I think it just comes down to which coach can outcoach the other in this department. Key thing with the Chargers rush defense, or just the defense overall, they're below average just overall on defense, allowing close to 330 yards per game. They're 26th in stopping the run. Linebacker Latavis Brown leads the league with 26 tackles, has 10-plus tackles in three of his last four games, dating back to last year. Uh, One important thing, of course, we talk so much about offense and defense, but we forget about special teams quite a lot. And I think Kansas City, they've got the giant upper hand on special teams, whereas the Chargers, man, uh, this is just a disaster. Uh, Young-Ho Koo... The kicker for the Chargers could be the worst in the league. Might be worse than Robert Aguayo, who was with the Bucs and was cut uh, during the preseason. Uh, man, uh, one of four field goals. All four attempts have been from 40 yards out. He had a chance to tie the game on Monday Night Football in Week 1 against Denver, the final NFL game of the first week. It got blocked. He had a chance to win the game against the Dolphins. And if you remember last podcast, I threw a penalty flag at the Dolphins after that ridiculous timeout Miami took to give the Chargers time to set up comfortably and Koo still missed it. If it comes down to the Chargers trying to tie the game or win it on a long-range field, maybe even a short-range field goal, Chargers fans might be covering both their eyes and... Slightly looking through their fingers on this one. I mean, it's been that bad with Koo. So, if it does come down to that, if it's going to be that tight of a game, I think that if if it's the Chargers that have to force a tie or take the lead with Koo, man, uh, even the coaching staff, even the players, man, they just might be sitting back saying, boy, uh, praying for the best. I mean, again, this team's going to fight real hard. And like I said earlier in the podcast, if they pick up their first win against the Chiefs after after an 0-2 start, especially after not being able to beat the Chiefs since 2013, and let's not forget, that was the game where Andy Reid benched all 22 starters because he knew that either way, that Week 17 game was not going to make an impact on Kansas City's seeding. So if the Chargers can win get their first win against the Chiefs and doing so for the, for, for the first time since the end of the, the 2013 season, man, that would be a big boost for them. And especially in a division that's going to be so competitive. You've got three 2-0 teams. And to be one of them that knocks down one of those 2-0 teams, that would be big for the Chargers. But I think Andy Reid and this Chiefs team have the tools to prevent that. Here's what the Chiefs have got to do. Look, this is not a good run defense. Now, obviously, they're going to be expecting Kareem Hunt. The obvious thing is, because of the poor rush defense and because of how great Kareem Hunt's been for the Chiefs, you you would think that rushing attack's just going to unleash. They would go run heavy. And I think that they'll run the ball, but I don't think they're going to go run heavy. I think this is the perfect. We talk about trap games. Here's a trap plan, a trap game plan. Make them think that you're going to run the ball. Throw them off. Maybe the flea flicker, use the play action, maybe even the wildcat 
and do some crazy things there. And again, it's all it all depends on what the Chiefs have in their playbook and just how creative Andy Reid and Matt Nagy are going to be. But this is an opportunity to really catch them off guard and prove why you are the best team in the NFL and you've got uh, an underrated uh, or maybe underappreciated offense and quarterback and Alex Smith. I think Kansas City's got to use that offense. You've got an incredible running back in uh, Kareem Hunt. But then you've also got these two freakish athletes. Their names are Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And they can do a lot for you through the air. And even then, the Chiefs in back-to-back games, they've been doing these crazy pitch fakes and shovel passes to Travis Kelsey. One of them, of course, led to a touchdown, the one that happened against the Eagles. So you you can see all of this, just, just how it's coming to play for Kansas City and how much this offense has really been able to just move the field, essentially have a field day on the Patriots and the Eagles, and now hopefully the Chargers. Here's what I do want to see in this game, because Phillip Rivers, he's only got one interception and two sacks, but the thing about Phillip Rivers, man, and the Chiefs have done a really great job with this, Phillip Rivers cracks under pressure. Look who Kansas City has. Look at this defensive line in the game they had. Benny Logan, Allen Bailey, and of course, let's not forget Chris Jones. And then let's not forget about D. Ford and Justin Houston and what those guys are capable of. So this is a front seven that has to pretty much replicate the game that they had against Carson Wentz and the Eagles and in the fourth quarter against against Tom Brady and the Patriots. Go out there and just put Rivers under all the pressure in the world. Don't let him do what he wants to do. The Chiefs, here's my issue with the Chiefs when it comes to takeaways. They've been incredibly inconsistent with that since Andy Reid got here. They were dominant in 2013, but in 2014, 2015, fairly quiet. 2016, I mean, they just dominated that category. And now here we are, very slow start. The only takeaway you have is that that interception plus that special team uh, fumble recovery that the Chiefs were able to score right before halftime against the Eagles. So those are the only two takeaways you have for the entire season. Should have had one on that tip pass that went to Zach Ertz. Almost went for a touchdown. And uh, I think it was Murray who uh, or Mitchell. I can't remember who it was. One of them uh, missed the interception. The other one saved the Chiefs from allowing a touchdown right before halftime. And of course, the Eagles missing that one. Uh, Chiefs dodged a big bullet there. So I want to see the Chiefs dominate. I, I want to see them come away with three takeaways. It, you know, it doesn't have to all be interceptions or all fumble. It could be a mix of it or it could be all the same. I don't care. I really want to see the Chiefs dominate because if you've got a ferocious front seven, if you're if you've got one of the best group of pass rushers in the NFL, then you can force these ill-advised passes. And like I said, Rivers cracks under pressure quite a bit. So This is an opportunity for the Chiefs to do what they need to do and really turn the tables on the Chargers. The other thing I really want to see for the Chiefs, play good football for four quarters. In the first half against against the Patriots, you didn't see a lot of dominance. Yes, you had that touchdown, uh, touchdowns I should say, one of them to Demetrius Harris and the other to Kareem Hunt. Uh, And and then they just unleashed in the fourth quarter. And now I get it. I mean, you're going to have four different quarters, but you'd love to see some consistency. So I'd love to see the Chiefs dominate with the turnovers, and I'd love to see them show some consistency for four quarters. That seems to be a tall order to ask from the Chiefs with those 
four quarter consistencies, but somehow, some way, uh, I mean, in these two games and last year, the Chiefs have somehow survived with the inconsistency and dominating for just one quarter or one half. So, listen, albeit you'll you'll still take it, but the, the consistency I think would be really nice on all three phases for Kansas City. I've got the Chiefs winning this one. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think similar to the Patriots game, I think the Chiefs will run away with it in the fourth quarter, and they're going to return to Kansas City 3-0 and get ready for a big Monday Night Football game. Score-wise, I'm going to say 31, I'm going to say 31-14. I think Kansas City can come away and do some damage. I think it'll be close coming out of halftime, but I think the second half, that's where the Chiefs do their late takeovers and just take away the game from the Chargers. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Adrian Peterson, look, this guy's got to know his role. It was discussed on Sirius XM that in the offseason, he accepted the role that he would have as a guy who may not play a lot for the Saints. But now, that Monday night football game uh, that the Saints had, and just the footage that was captured of him yelling at Sean Payton, and just really his performance, listen, man, uh, there's a reason why Minnesota did not have interest in retaining AP and I think at the end of the day you've got to understand that your time could be up soon I mean running backs don't have a long shelf life AP has had a longer shelf life than most running backs ever so uh, I mean he, he, he's been great of course no one's taking that away but man this year just a really bad year for Adrian Peterson another guy who's had a really bad year Eli Manning looked horrific on Monday Night Football this week against the Lions Ben McAdoo head coach criticized him publicly uh, look, Manning's had a funny career. I think similar to Alex Smith's career, except Manning has two rings to go with his. It's just been up and down for Eli Manning, man. Uh, the guy always gets compared to his brother, Peyton. At one point, Eli had more rings than Peyton. I mean, the story's just been crazy. If I'm not mistaken, I think he had 23 touchdowns and 20 picks the year that the Giants stop the 18-0 Patriots in the Super Bowl. So, the, I mean, Eli Manning going from being a bust to just not being good enough to beating uh, what could have been the best team in NFL history, the, the 19-0 Patriots. Uh, and now, I remember the following year, he had a, a great season uh, after that win against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. The following season, Eli Manning and the Giants were great. They had the number one seed in the NFC. And then in 2013, if I'm not mistaken, that's the year he led the NFL in picks. And he's just been up and down in his career. Uh, It's just a really strange career for Eli Manning. I'll say this right now, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think out of all the 0-2 teams, the Giants have the best shot at making the playoffs. Now, I don't think they make the playoffs. I just think out of all the 0-2 teams, and, and again, I don't think any of them make the playoffs, but if there's one that I, I think will make it interesting and they'll have a shot, I think it's going to be the Giants. It's just going to suck looking back and seeing that this 0-2 start for the Giants might have been the difference maker in making or missing the playoffs. But I think they're going to go on a search soon. I, I, I think with what they have on offense, I, I, I just think they have the ability to really turn things around and start playing better. Let's go out of bounds.
All right, Kevin Durant, I, I think he did the right thing here in apologizing for the critical tweets he had posted about the Oklahoma City Thunder and head coach Billy Donovan. Uh, look, Durant was a top-notch superstar already when he was with the Thunder. He goes to Golden State and his superstar level just breaks the limit. goes way higher than you could imagine. Everything that this guy says now, especially now that he's got an NBA ring and, and of course, was the MVP of the finals, everything he says will be taken seriously. Oklahoma City was a special place, especially with how small that market is. I mean, they came together, supported him, that organization, and I think it was in 2012 where they advanced and won the Western Conference Finals, went to the NBA Finals, and what he did with Golden State, he, everyone thought he could have done with Oklahoma City, and it just never ended up happening, so... Uh, you've, you've just got to be careful with some of the things you write on social media. And I think him apologizing was the right move. I do want to talk about this. There was a very intriguing article on Bleacher Report about Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, his youth soccer coach said in an interview with VR that Odell could have been on the United States men's national soccer team had he stuck to soccer. And... I read some of the comments in this article, and people talked about how, you know, this is the United States, a highly populated country, and yet we can't find the right 11 players to help the U.S. win uh, win it all, win the World Cup. There's always been this saying, you know, the, the best NFL player is not playing football. I mean, he, he, he's just not in the NFL, you know. The best television anchor isn't even in the media industry. People who could be the best in a, in a certain field, they're not in that field. People have said that. And I, I've kind of gone back and forth on that on that comment. Uh, but man, uh, it, it does kind of get you thinking. I mean, people, the United States, in, in such a populated country, why is it so hard to find 11 guys to represent our country? And not just that, but also go out there and, and, and win it all for us. I, I think that's been the toughest thing. And it's not just in soccer, too. I mean, this could be discussed in, in a lot of fields. Who knows? Maybe there's someone in, in Major League Soccer right now that could be the best kicker in the NFL. You just never know in those situations. So, uh, it kind of got me thinking. Maybe you guys uh, would have thoughts on this as well. So, you never know. Uh, but apparently Odell Beckham Jr., according to his youth soccer coach, for what it's worth, uh, thinks that Odell Beckham Jr. could have been on the U.S. men's national team. But perhaps he's got to do something to help this Eagle or this Giants team, rather, uh, get back on a roll. Because like I said in the last segment, I, I, I think this Giants team really has what it takes to bounce back and start playing good football. Final segment, let's throw some penalty flags. Coach Edmund, who is a UFC coach and an MMA coach, he is actually Ronda Rousey's coach. And as we know, Ronda Rousey, she's been on a downfall in MMA. Uh, Edmund was criticized for the two losses Rousey suffered against Holly Holm and Amanda Nunes. Edmund was on the MMA hour with Ariel Helwani. And he said... That he wants Ronda to fight Chris Cyborg. For those who don't know who Chris Cyborg is, she's like she's expected to be the next Ronda. She's like the next big 
women's MMA fighter. And she's currently the featherweight champion, had a dominant performance in July at UFC 214. Cyborg said on her social media and on her website that she would fight Rousey in a WWE ring. Now, Ronda has recently been shown in a WWE scene online. It seems like there there's a tease that she could do a storyline of some sort or, or an appearance or, or a match for the WWE. I don't know what's going on here, but Edmund wants Ronda to fight. Look, Rousey looked horrible. Rousey lost in less than a minute to Amanda Nunes. I, I mean, at this point, I hate to say it, and I really want to be careful when I use words like this, but Rousey's washed up. She looked awful in her return last December. She looked terrible. I mean, there's no justifying this. Edmund just wants that big payday that's going to come with this. That's all he's looking after. Okay, I've got to throw a flag on Fox Sports because they were broadcasting the Chicago Bears game and the cameraman, first of all, there were so many people at fault for this. There's the cameraman and then there's the director that chose to show this camera on air. So multiple people missed this. And this has happened before, by the way, not just with Fox, but just with sports cameras in general. Fox showed a Bears fan who had a shirt that said, Sundays are for kissing blank and referring to a woman's breast using the not so respectful term apparently it is some sort of reference to a tweet that rookie Mitch Trubisky put out in 2011 here's the part that 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 just baffles me the guy was on TV for apparently more than five seconds how do you miss that the guy has a shirt that has Something that, that that can't be said under FCC guidelines and can't be shown on television, on live TV, over-the-air TV. How do you miss that? The cameraman misses it. The director misses it. it, it it's just embarrassing. And it looks bad on Fox and somebody has to come up with an answer to, I don't know who exactly, which Fox executive has to come out and, and speak up. But man, you've got to do better than that. You've got to be careful with who you're putting on TV and what they've got on. And it's just, it's just embarrassing. Can't do that. You know, we, we see this a lot with like television bloopers and all. I, I'd love to see if there's like a blooper reel on YouTube where, you know, sports cameras that just show things that, that absolutely cannot be allowed on TV. Uh, I, I know there have been some intentions where once a guy realizes he's on camera, he, I mean, you've seen the middle finger come up. Those are unavoidable. I mean, th- those are hard to do. You would think they're on some sort of dump, but uh, y- y- you look. I understand people might look and say, well, it's not like we haven't heard these words before. Look, I understand that, but there are still guidelines that you've got to follow. Otherwise, uh, with FCC guidelines that you could get fined. I mean, you could get in trouble for that, and you don't want to have any licensing taken away. But... Look, at the end of the day, you laugh about it, too. That's it for the Chiefs Zone Podcast, the preview edition. The Chiefs and the Chargers going down in Los Angeles this Sunday. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast on Farzine Vesugian. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. That is my Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Post it on social media. Let a friend know about it. Let others know about the Chiefs Zone podcast. Let's continue this going. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that this Chiefs team is going to advance to 3-0, and we can talk about that on next week's podcast. Until then, enjoy the games this weekend. Talk to you next week.